0: says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 God also hath given him a name which is above every name amen let's stand together please turn to page number 88 page number 88 in your hymn book his name is worthy of our praise this morning let's sing it out I sing the mighty power of God I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the glowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun,
1: and everywhere present God. Amen. And he can certainly meet here uh, with us this morning. And I would say to you, we need him here. Amen. And so did just want to mention a few things. Uh, of course, uh, outside, uh, out in the outer uh, foyer, there are quite a few uh, sign-up sheets. And so I wanted to mention those just very, very quickly. We're having our youth rally, uh, area-wide youth rally, and we are going to be hosting it here as a church. And that'll be on Friday, March the 17th. And so if you can help us out with anything uh, out there, I think there's things like Uh, boxes of potato chips, the small uh, uh, serving bags of potato chips and uh, soft drinks and and things like that. We would sure appreciate that. And then in April we have the ladies retreat as well as our missions conference coming up and so there's quite a few sign-up sheets out there for the ladies and so make sure that you're aware of those things. But today it is good to be in God's house. Amen. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Sure glad Uh, that you are here. And let's ask the Lord to meet with us and bless our day today. Brother Jim Wisdom, would you pray for us, please? Yes.
0: I'm going to ask you to remain standing, please, and turn to page 323. Page 323, the old account was settled long ago. Let's sing it out on that first. There was a time on earth when in the book of Pat an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top. And many days below I went unto the keeper And settled long ago Long ago Long ago Yes, the old account was settled long ago ago. And the record's clear today For he washed my sins away When the old account was settled long ago The old account was large and growing every day For I was always sitting and never tried to pay But when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe I said that I would settle and settle long ago Long ago, long ago Yes, the old account was settled long ago my sins away, when the old account was settled long ago, when at the judgment bar I stand before my king, and he the book will open, he cannot find a thing, then will my heart be glad, while tears of joy will flow, because I had it settled, and settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. When in that happy home, my Savior's home above, I'll sing redemption story and praise it for his love. I'll not forget that book with pages white as snow. Because I came and settled And settled long ago Long ago Long ago ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago And the record's clear today For he washed my sins away When the old account was settled long ago Let's get around and shake hands together this morning Good to see each one of you here Thankful for those visiting back with us again this morning If you know the Lord as your Savior and your account is settled, say amen this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to sing it out on that last verse. O oh, sinner, seek the Lord. O oh, sinner, seek the Lord. Repent of all your sin. For thus he has commanded if you would enter in. And then if you should live a hundred years below, up there you'll not regret it. You settle oh, long ago, long ago long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, when the old account was settled long ago. Amen. As the men come
1: for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Psalm chapter 8, and verse 1. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? And then down in verse 9 he says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth though James Wisdom, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated.
0: Thank you, ladies. Aren't you thankful God's grace is greater than our sin? Amen. Let's stand together one last time and turn to page 238. And can it be? Page number 238. Sing it out together on that first verse. And can it be? Business de got to go sing the last verse again i'm telling you you have got to sing this with conviction and just understand this is what god's done for you if you know christ as your savior this morning you have everything to be thankful for this morning and that last verse says no condemnation not some not a little none no condemnation now i dread jesus and all in him is mine all of it alive in him So let's not be dead in Him this morning, all right? Let's be alive in Him this morning. Alive in Him, my living head, clothed in righteousness divine that can only come from Him. Amen. It's nothing you and I can do. Bold, I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Let's sing it this morning out with determination, with conviction. And let's go a cappella on that chorus this morning, okay? Let's just let the people of God sing on that last verse. No condemnation, now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my life. In righteousness divine Bold I approach the eternal throne And claim the crown through Christ my own Sing it out, come on! Amazing love How can it be that Thou, my God, shouldst die for me? If you're thankful for what God's done for you, say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. Great singing. Please be seated this morning. At this time, we'll have a special from
1: the ladies' trio.
2: Seen things along the way. I've seen some trouble in my short days, but through it all I have no fear. I have a friend who's always me. fall. If the oceans were to dry, if the mountains were to crumble, I wouldn't bat enough cause I stand upon the rock. He's the rock of all the ages, no matter what may come. The storm around me rages, I stand Sometimes the way seems bleak, 'cause Cause we are human and we are weak But take it from me when the road seems right try if the mountains were to crumble I wouldn't bat an eye cause I stand upon the rock he's the rock of all the ages no matter what may come the storm around me rages changes. If the sun were to fall, if the oceans were to dry, if the mountains were to crumble, I wouldn't bat an eye. He's the rock of all the ages, no matter what may come. Storm around me rages. I stand upon what never changes. What never changes.
1: Dead Baptist shout right there amen That's mercy i 'm telling you, I appreciate brother Eric getting y'all wound up on that uh, on that uh, last song i was- start, I started to think I should walk up there and welcome about half of you to the service because y'all just now got here amen it's y'all were here in body, just weren 't in spirit amen and and uh what a blessing boy just uh what a blessing i was uh I was actually in my office this morning and and uh, just kind of going through the last uh, part of the message for this morning, and, and they were practicing downstairs uh, in the Sunday school room underneath my office, and it was coming up through the air vent, and I was like, son, it's going to be good. And, uh, and this is what I love. It's just the way the Lord kind of orchestrates things and puts the song to go right in uh, with the message, and uh, it's amazing when He does that, and I'm uh, sure thankful for that this morning. Well, let's all stand in honor of God's Word, if you're able to stand this morning, and want to invite you to the book of Romans and, and chapter number 8 this morning. Romans and, and chapter number 8, and uh, we're going to get started uh, this morning and, and looking at this, and uh, I believe it'll be a help to us when it's all said and done, and I really have just enjoyed chewing on this, and I uh, trust it'll be a blessing Uh, to us this morning. I think there's going to be some conviction, but there's also going to be some encouragement when it's all said and done. Romans chapter 8, look with me at verse number 26. The Bible says this, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. And that's true if you're a child of God, if you're honest with yourself. That's true. That's true. And notice it says this, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And certainly verses 28 and 29 are precious to you and me. He says, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, moreover whom he did predestinate them he also called, and whom he called them he also justified and whom he justified. Demi also glorified. And if that promise be true for them, that it be true for us. Well, how do you know that? Because look at verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And we'll see that there at the very end and look at that some next week. But this is what we're going to look at this morning. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. Few were here last week, I, I realize not everybody is, but really, uh, I do want to call your attention to, really, if I could say it like this, one of the great benefits of the Spirit of God. And we know this, that according to, back there in verse number, uh, verse number 15, we, we know this, that He is the Spirit of Adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, it's the Spirit that, that convicts us, and it's the Spirit that draws us in our need to be saved. It's, it's the Spirit that convinces us of the truth of Jesus Christ, and it's ultimately the Spirit of God that converts us into the family of God when we respond to the convincing and the conviction, and we put our faith and trust In Jesus Christ for our salvation, He converts us and makes us a child of God. And that's really, that is in essence the new birth of the gospel of of Jesus Christ. But now, now you and I, we get into another paragraph, if you will, of again what I would say is another benefit of the Spirit of God. And here's the other benefit, He helps us with our infirmities. He intercedes for us in those times in, in prayer. He gives us an understanding of, 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 of the truth that, that it is God that is ultimately working in your life and in mine to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. It's, it, he provides for us what I would call this, God's grace in times of difficulty. God's grace in times of difficulty. Let's... And, and let's also be reminded here, okay, that these things are given to show us why it's, it's so important for you and I, who are the children of God, to be a people that are submitted to Him and submitted to His Word and ultimately walking in the Spirit of God in our life. Because here's what I know about infirmities or trials or difficulties, or, or whatever name that you want to give them. It is not a matter of if, but a matter of when. In other words, it's, it's, it's not if they are going to come, because they are going to come. They are going to come in your life and in mine. And, and the idea here is this, is that if we want to be faithful, and we want to come out in victory on the other side of our valleys in life, then in the midst of them, that's not a time to develop a prayer life. That's the time to exercise the one you already have. Because you've been walking with God in His Spirit. God's grace is available, isn't it? But far too often, people in our day and time are walking away from it in times of difficulty because they never partook of it before the difficulty took place. And that's really the lesson behind this passage. When I, when I was a kid, my aunt and uncle uh, moved to Highlands, North Carolina. It's a little town uh, in the Appalachian uh, Mountains there, and they, they had a, uh, a beautiful uh, little cabin-style home uh, that that was right there on a on a pond in a valley. I mean, it was just it was just incredible. And uh, my my mom and, and dad and and myself we. All went up one summer uh, to visit uh, with them. And I, listen, I'm telling you, I, 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 just, I, as a kid growing up, I, I grew up in the outside. And you know, you, you, you left the house in the morning time and you came back at dark. And, uh, you know, and, and usually I got in trouble a lot because it would get dark and I'd still be playing and my dad would be whistling. And I knew this, that if my dad had to get in the, car, get in the truck and come find me, I was in trouble on the way home. Uh, but I, I'm just telling you, so you put me in a valley right there in the middle of the, uh, you know, the, the foothills of the Smoky Mountains or whatever you want to call it. I, listen, I loved it. You, you, we, were, we spent our days, you know, skipping rocks and swimming in the pond with, with your cousins. And, and uh, you know, we went, I remember we went to a, a creek that, that flowed down. And, and, man, all kinds of waterfalls and things like that. Man, we got out there as kids and slid down the waterfalls. You didn't need an inner tube. You just dive off in it, man, and go. And uh, hiking up in the mountains. And I mean, I just had a blast. I loved it. And so my parents, they allowed me to stay up there with my aunt and uncle and my cousins for, uh, I think it was like a week or two after that. I I can't remember how long it was, but as I was just a little guy, one day my cousins and some of the neighborhood kids, they're messing around up in the mountains near, near their home. And so we were all up there in the woods and, and, uh, they had this tree that kind of came off. I mean, it was almost like a little embankment on the side of the mountain there. And they had this tree that, I mean, almost like if you could envision it where the pulpit is right here. And this tree that kind of grew up and went up. And so, you know, they kind of had a little fort and stuff because you got to have a fort. Amen. That'll help you right there. Amen. Some of you kids are like, fort, what's that? Son, you have you have not lived. Amen. And, I, we had, and so we'd climb up in that tree and climb down. And they had... And so we're all, you know, having a blast and hanging out. Well, there was this vine that was hanging down from the tree. You see where this is going, right? Because boys are going to be boys. And, and so they got this vine out. And, you know, and so all the kids are, man, they're grabbing a hold of this vine. And they're swinging off. And I mean going several feet out into the air and then swinging back. And all the kids went... Uh, all the bigger kids, you know, they were older than I was. And so, you know, they handed the vine to me. And I said, I'm going, son. And I grabbed that vine and I jumped off the side. And when I, and when I got out, man, I was, I don't know, I was probably a good 12, 15 feet up in the air. And I heard clink. And it was like a cartoon because my eyes got big and I could see my cousins going, oh, and then I went, and I went to the bottom. You say, what happened? I said, I don't know. I woke up in the bathtub. I did. I woke up in the bathtub and my aunt's making, you know, looking at me like she thought I was dead and washing the leaves and the dirt all off of me and checking for broken bones and everything. Everything is fine. (laughs) Nothing wrong with me now. Some of you remember that story and the story of falling off the side of the stairs and breaking my arm and cracking my skull. And you're like, this is explaining everything right here. (laughs) The moral of the story is this. Well, this is the first one I thought of. Never listen to your cousins. Because <laughs> they always seem to get you in trouble, right? But here's the other one. I, I put my trust in something that wasn't worthy of my trust. A dead vine. And it cost me greatly as I went tumbling down the mountain. And really, I believe, I believe this. I believe this illustrates the greater thought here that the Apostle Paul is trying to get across here to the believers in Rome. And let me explain to you what, what I mean by that. You, you, you and I have to remember how the book of Romans is is broken up. And I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here or anything like that, but you've got you to wrap your mind around this. And let me borrow your thinking caps here for just a minute. But we know this, all right? The first four chapters deal with the subject of, of salvation. Paul has made his case very, very clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means this, that every person is a sinner and they need to be saved. And he also made it clear on this, on how to be saved. And it is by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's the only way that man can be saved. It is when he humbles himself and repents and turns from his sin and puts his faith In Jesus Christ alone. That's the only way man can be saved. That's why chapter 5 begins with therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way man, man can be saved. But you understand, after that verse, Paul then begins to move from the subject of salvation and into the subject of sanctification. And this is where a person who is now saved, begins to learn to separate from the world and unto God. I know we don't like that word, but it's Bible. And the truth of the matter is, friend, it is, it is of the utmost importance that you and I are, are understanding this, and here's why. Because eventually trials are going to come. And, and that's where he's going to, uh, that's where he's going with this. You, you understand, we're to part from the world, and we're to part from the old life, and we're to begin to live in the new life that, that we now have in Jesus Christ. And, and I love the lesson last week, because after all, if you are saved, you are now, you've received the spirit of adoption, you are a child of God. And so therefore, there's an expectation from the Heavenly Father that as His child, you would walk with Him. And you would live for Him. But something else that's got to be pointed out here is that Paul has been dealing with, really if I could say it like this, two groups of believers. The Jewish believers who had gone back to the law in Romans chapter 7 and verse number 1. And even the Gentile believers in Romans chapter 6 that had gone back to sin and carnality. And so therefore the instruction here is to say to these people, Guys, you need to be walking in the Spirit and not the old life because difficulties are going to come. And it's only Him and Him alone that can help you with those things. And if you're not and difficulties do come, then your response to those difficulties will not be one that God desires for it to be. And the reality is this, you will go tumbling down the mountain of faith rather than growing up the mountain in your faith as you trust in God to get you through it this is uh, this is i'm just telling you now and i want i i, I please kind of turn your mind on just for a minute and 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 just follow along with me and, and just think with this with me because this is what this is what i, I begin to chew on is that here you have you have jewish believers that have gone back to the law and you have Gentile believers that have gone back to carnality. And when difficulties come, you've got to think about what, what would their response be. Now, now listen to this. The Jewish believer had turned back to the law and in essence had turned back, now watch this, to a performance-based religion. One where, one where listen, you attempted to achieve righteousness rather than receiving the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because you're never going to achieve righteousness. All of sin come short of the glory of God. So, so it's only through the righteousness of Christ that a person can be saved. But they had, turn, they had received Christ, but then turned back to that performance-based uh, religion, one where, one where you did right to avoid condemnation, rather than understanding that in Christ there is therefore now no condemnation according to Romans chapter 8, and verse number 1. So so now think about this, all right? Y'all okay? Think about this. You've turned back to a performance-based religion, and then difficulty comes in your life. And so therefore, when it comes, you're going to view that difficulty as being unfair. Wait a minute. I'm doing all these things. And then this happens in my life. I I don't deserve this. This is unfair. Is Is anybody getting this? Because here's the thing. Now watch this. See, then you have the Gentile believer that has turned back to carnality and the sin of the world. And so really what's happened is this. In essence, they have turned back to a progressive religion. Well, what is that? It's one where you can do what you want. It's one where, oh come on, there are no rules and, and requirements from, from God. Yet, yet there is still this expectation of His grace in your life. Okay, come on, uh, so I'm just, listen, so here's the deal. So you're doing whatever you want to do and you're living the way that you want to live. And then all of a sudden, this tragedy comes into your life. But yet, there's still this expectation of uh, of God's grace, and you begin to think, "Wait a minute, I I don't deserve this. I thought I thought you were a God of love and grace." Is anybody is anybody getting this? Because wouldn't it be fair to say this? That's exactly the same stuff we're hearing in our day and time. It's not fair. Well, I don't deserve this. Listen, if God were really God, He wouldn't allow this. And the reason people respond these ways is because they either have a performance-based religion or they have a progressive religion rather than a biblical one. Because here, listen, and please understand this. Listen, there's there's a scriptural balance here. Because on one hand, please get this, there is an expectation that as children of God, we would obey God. Come on, there's, you understand, there's an expectation. And I'm just telling you, you can get in the Bible and there are. No, 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 I know we're in the New Testament and we're in the age of grace. But you need to understand this, there are still some things that God requires of His people. But you also have to understand this, I don't do those things to become a child of God. I do those things because I am a child of God. But at the same time, I can't just not do those things and yet still expect the grace of God in my life because Paul's already dealt with that in chapter 5 and chapter 6 because the wages of sin is not more grace, friend. The wages of sin is death. And so what I'm saying to you is this, is that oftentimes people respond in a wrong way to the difficulties in their life And the reason is because they are either in a performance-based religion or they are in a progressive religion in their own life and mind. And your walk with God, friend, before the difficulty happens is going to determine your response when it happens. You don't believe me? Ask Job. Listen to this. And I don't have time to go back to the book of Job But I would say to you that on a difficulty level, none of us have been where Job is at. Well, you know, preacher, it's just been like Job. Not really. Not really. You know, well, the plumbing messed up. It's been like Job. Not really. The air conditioner went out. It's been like Job. Not really. Bless our hearts. I I love listening to Brother... And Sister Carr come in this morning coming from Papua New Guinea and going, we are spoiled. Because we are. We are. I'm just telling you, none of us... But here's... Listen, here, here was Job. Now watch this. This is what the Bible says about Job. He was a man that feared God and eschewed evil. Come on, he walked with God. Is anybody getting this? And when all of this tragedy on a level that you and I can't even fathom came into his life, and I'm talking about losing everything he had, losing his family... His kids, everything. Friend, this, this was the response of Job in Job chapter 1 in verses 20 and 22. It said, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not. Or charge God foolishly. And then when Satan then when Satan attacked us, help, and Job's wife showed up, she was a blessing. Mercy. Why don't you curse God and die, old oh man? Why don't you get off my lawn, woman? It's there, it's in the Hebrew. You just gotta look for it. Listen to what Job said in Job two ten. And, and I want, he, he says what he says to his wife, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. But then he says this, what? Shall we, re, we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? You understand, Job understood, listen to me, that goodness came from God, but so too the trials of life. Therefore, Job retained his integrity and trusted God through it all because he had a walk with God before it ever hit. You understand what I'm saying? And for the New Testament believer, who by the way is now indwelt with the Spirit of God, so therefore has a far greater advantage than Job did in the Old Testament. What Paul is trying to explain to these believers is this, is that it's imperative that you learn to be sanctified in your life that you learn apart from this world and you learn to walk with God and you learn to be filled with the Spirit of God and trusting in the Spirit of God. Well, why, Paul? Because one day trials are going to come. One day difficulties are going to come. And when they do, these are the things that He can do for you to help you get through them. And it's something that nothing else in this world can do. Here's what he says. Look at verse 26 and 27. I believe what he's saying here, and I like this. I believe what he's saying here is this. Well, with the Spirit, we have a comforter. Come on, that's, what, that's, that's the name Jesus gave him in the Gospels, in the Gospel of John. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And and he he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the the will of God. So beginning in verse number 26, you see this word, likewise. All right? Now on one hand, I I believe you you can apply this to This being another benefit of the Spirit, like we have the Spirit of adoption, well now we have the Spirit that that comforts us, but I also believe this, that it particularly applies to the groanings in the previous verses. All right? Because it even mentions groanings at at the end of the verse which cannot be uttered. If you go back up to verse number 22, it says this, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And that's true, isn't it? Come on, you think about the things that are going on. And I'm just talking about just in creation and all. Well, preacher, you know that's climate change. No, that's not climate change. That's the creation groaning for the Creator. Friend, I'm just telling you, that that's what's going on. In fact, look at verse number 23, because he says this same groaning is in us. He says that not only they, but ourselves also, which have the firstfruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Well, oh, come on, friend, we're groaning. No, 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 and I'm not talking about the aches and pains of the body. I'm talking about spiritual groanings. I'm talking about the groanings that, man, one day the battle's going to be over. One day there's going to be no more faults and failures. There's not going to be any more sin to deal with. The Savior's going to come. We're going to rule and reign with Him. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And we're groaning in ourselves of that. Come on, friend. If you're not groaning for that, then you're too much in love with this world. But when you're not, friend, and you're separating and there's that war from from chapter 7 of that which I don't want to do, I do and that which I know I'm supposed to do, I don't do. There's that battle, there's sin, there's wickedness, there's uh, there's all kinds of craziness going on and I'm ready for this to be over with and to be with my Savior. And there's that groaning. And what Paul is saying is this, that in those groanings, In the midst of all of those groanings, we have someone that comforts us. He gives us the the peace that passes all understanding. And He helps us with, with prayer and communication with our Heavenly Father so that we can get through those times of groanings and keep going and serving and being faithful to Him. In fact, I, here's what I would say to you. I think he says, really, I think he makes, he makes two things pretty clear uh, right here. And, and, and I, you know, it's, I'm just telling you, it's, and, and you know, and I could deal with persecution, uh, you know, because I believe really that's, that's, when you look at the New Testament Scriptures, that's what generally most Christians were going through at that time i 'm telling you we should be rejoicing that we live in a country that has the freedom of religion where you and I can gather together without fear of persecution but i 'll say this i 'll say this that window's shutting but but even if it's not even if it 's not that, you and I know that 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 you know we're we 're not immune to cancer and we 're not immune to trials and, and tribulation and and death and and those kind of things and so You've got to understand that we, we, have a, we have a heavenly Father whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. And it's the Spirit of God that, that helps us. Look at verse number 26 there. Let me give you the things that He helps us with. Verse number 26, He says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth with our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There are... There are... A couple of things you and I have to make clear in this passage, and one of those is is right here. The phrase where it says, groanings which cannot be uttered, that is not talking about charismatic tongues of our day. Alright, be a fact. Charismatic tongues is not... The charismatic tongues that we know of in our day and time, that's not even in the Bible. Biblical tongues is in the Bible. And that's where people spoke a different language, it was a known language, though they themselves didn't know it. You you go back to the day of Pentecost when the apostles were filled with the Spirit of God, empowered in all of those things, and and they preached the Gospel, they spoke in, in other tongues. Well, you understand, it was known to those that were there on the day of Pentecost who spoke other languages because the Bible says this, every man heard the Word of God in his own tongue. So, so you understand the stuff that's going on today where a person rolls their eyes in the back of their head and, and then flops around like a fish and utters some gibberish that nobody understands. That's, that's not of God. That's not, that is not of the Spirit of God. That is not what that's talking about here. Listen, God is not the author of confusion. God is the God of order. And here's something else. God's not the author of confusion. God's the author of comfort for His people. The groanings which cannot be uttered—it's talking about those times where a child of God is so broken and so hurting that they don't have the words to say to God in prayer, and sometimes all we can do is cry and just simply be before the presence of God. I I I love this, and I just I just want to point this out here as kind of a almost a side note. But it's so encouraging to say this. You and I know this. We have access to the Father as already pointed out. But look down in verse number 34. He says, Who is, the, who is He that condemneth? Is, is it Christ that died? Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh... And what's that word right there? Intercession for us. So here's, here's the idea. You've got God the Father that we can go to. We've got our advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is seated at His right hand, who intercedes on our behalf. And now Paul's saying, listen, you've got the spirit of adoption within you and me if you're saved. And and there are going to be times where there is groanings which cannot be uttered. You can't even put it into words. But it's the spirit. It's the spirit that intercedes and helps in those times. If you, listen... If you've been saved for any amount of time and gone through a difficulty, then it's most likely you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or you've gone through something so difficult and so hard, you can't understand it, and it just hurts, and it hurts so much, you can't muster up the words to say anything, you just sit there and weep before God. And what Paul's saying is this, is that in those times, the Spirit's right there helping you. Amen. I remember a couple of years ago when my friend Ben Forrester, when COVID first hit, and it was the real bad stuff, and, and he got it. And Brother Ben was just, a, I guess, probably a year younger than me, maybe, and in great shape. I mean, we, I, you know, we played softball together and basketball and I mean, he, him and his brother, I mean, they were boxing all the time down at the gym, and I mean, God was in great shape, and all. And he got COVID, and it just, it affected him in, in that way. And I, I, I remember when, man, it, it just got real bad. He was in the hospital, and they went ahead and induced him and put him in a coma, and they were giving him antibiotics and just hoping that his body would, would fight it off, and it wasn't fighting it off, and he was just declining and declining and declining. And I can remember... I remember when it got real bad and we got the news that basically they were saying he, he, it's not looking like he's going to make it. And man, I, I, I'm just, I remember that night laying in my bed and, and Natalie and I and it was just kind of quiet and I remember I was trying to fall asleep but I couldn't man and I was just thinking about Brother Ben and I was thinking about Miss Sarah and, and the kids and in my flesh I had some things just like you have things. Like Ben's a godlier man than me. He don't deserve this. And I, I know what's waiting on the other side. It's it's heaven for all eternity, but what about his kids, and what about walking his daughter down the aisle? And man, I just laid there and cried because I didn't know what to say. What are you going to say? But that was... But that's those times where the Spirit intercedes for your behalf and mine. And I praise God He came out on the other side of that. And He's doing okay and He's back at it. But I'm just saying to you, that's one... And listen, and I could, and I could talk about a whole bunch of other situations. And I, and I know this, that in my lifetime, that's probably not the last one. There may be one this week. I hope not, but I'm just saying to you, if it comes... Here's what I can take comfort in. i got the Spirit of God within me to intercede. When I don't have the words to put together, He does. And He can help me. Either He can give me the words, or sometimes I don't, just, I don't even need to say the words. But yet the grace and the peace and the comfort of God just fills my soul and my life, and I can rest in knowing that in Him it's all under control. Amen. And here's the other thing that He does. Notice he goes on down and he he begins to tell us this. Look at verse... Well, you can kind of put it together here. But he says this in, in verse number 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. And then look at verse 27. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints. Watch this. According to the will of God. He assists us in knowing the will of God. And He assists us when we don't know the will of God. Sometimes we don't know the words to say, and sometimes we don't know God's plan and the difficulty. In fact, I'd say this, most of the time we don't know. (laughs) If not all. Sometimes, sometimes we want, what we want is vastly different from what He wants. Now, I know that'd never be you, but that's me. That's me. And I'm just telling you, we, we must remember. We must remember in those times that He's God. And we ain't. And let Him lead us in prayer. We had a, <laughs> we had a dear precious lady there when I was pastoring in, in Cassville, Missouri. Her name was Opal Santee. And she was, she was a tiny lady with a big car. She was about that tall, and she drove a big old long car, and you always knew when Miss Opal was coming through town, because you could see two hands up on the steering wheel in the top of her head when she drove by, and she was a, I mean, just a sweetheart of a lady, and she she uh, worked down, I think she worked at the courthouse or uh, something like that, and uh, years before I, I came there, she had had uh, cancer, and she she fought the battle and, and won, and was thankful for that, but then... Uh, after a few years of being there the cancer came back on her and I remember when it came back and she went to the doctor and, and uh, they basically just told her it was so bad there's really nothing that they could do and, and so we went through some scriptures together and, and just comforted her and, and salvation and the promise of eternity we prayed together and stuff and I can you know when her health just really just I mean just dramatically went down and, and uh, she ended up she ended up in the hospital there at Freeman. I think it's Freeman Hospital over there in Neosho, Missouri, That's where the Bellis's, uh brother Bellis is from in that area. That big hospital there, and she was over there. And I can remember. I remember being down there one afternoon, and her sister was with us, and she's just a sweet lady as well. And went to another uh, Baptist church there in town, uh, next town over. And so we were sitting there, and they had, they had Miss Opal sedated. And the pain medicine wore off. And when it wore off, she came back to consciousness. And when she did, it it was just some of the most painful sounding groans and hurting. And the nurses immediately ran in there and put the needle in the IV and gave her some more pain medicine. And she just went right back out. And that was when I realized how bad it was and just how painful it was. And I remember praying and having a word of prayer with with Miss Opal. She was unconscious and her sister right there. And I know what I wanted. I know what she wanted. I know what most people want. They want a miracle. They want God to just step down and heal their loved one. They, They want the Lord Jesus to walk in the room like He did in the Gospels and take it all away and everything be okay. But I know sometimes that's not what God wants. And I'm sitting here and i got to pray. I said, Preacher, what would you pray? Here's what I prayed for the will of God to be done. God heal her. And if that ain't here, I know it'll be there. And sometimes that's the way you got to pray. And sometimes in those difficulties. But it's the Spirit that gives you grace to do that. There's something else He begins to show us here. We'd just about have invitation on that, couldn't we? But he begins to show us something else here. Because I, and I think this is important that you see this. Because not only, not only is the Spirit our comforter, but I, I also believe this. I, I believe this. I believe he gives us an understanding that when we're going through a trial or a difficulty, God is at work to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul begins to go into here in verse number 28. He says this, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to His purpose. And, and let me and notice he says, for whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate to be conformed into the image of, of His Son. And let me, let me also say this, again, just like the groanings which cannot be uttered had nothing to do with the charismatic tongues, the word predestinate right here has nothing to do with salvation in the false doctrine of calvinism. Predestination, anytime you see the word predestinate or predestination in the scriptures, it has nothing to do with a lost person. It has everything to do with a person that's already been saved. God does not predestinate some to heaven and predestinate some to hell. No, God so loved the world. You understand, well, well, you know world it doesn't actually mean world. Yes, it does. Just like whosoever means, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God wants every person to be saved. He's made us free moral agents, friend, and He wants you and I to choose Him and to come to Him in salvation. And then once you come to Him in salvation, it is now, it is now predestined or predetermined that you will be conformed into the image of His Son. It's like John said, we shall see Him as He is, because we shall be like Him. You know why? Because that's according to the Word of God. But here's the thing, now watch this, that's that's positional sanctification, where you've already been separated as a child of God, and one day, you're going to be here. But practically speaking, in this life, God is also working and wanting to work to separate us and conform us into that image that will eventually reach its totality when we get to heaven. Amen. And He uses trials to do those things. And that's what he's explaining here. He's explaining this. Listen, trials are going to come. And the Spirit of God's within you to help you to pray during those times. But you also need to know this, that you've got a Heavenly Father working to conform you into His image. Amen. There's a product that He wants to make. And every product has a process. And he says it, listen, all, all things work together for good. To make that product doesn't, no, no, no. And I know, you, you know you've heard me say it, but I'll say it again. It doesn't say all good things work together. It says all things work together for good. And sometimes that's the good and sometimes that's the bad. It's like making a yellow cake with chocolate icing. <laughs> which is my favorite. And my mom makes those for my birthday, still does, praise God. She used to do it when I was a kid, and praise God, she still does it now. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for lunch now. And she puts that flour in there, and eggs in there, and whatever, baking powder, or so, I don't know, all that stuff, and makes the cake, and then puts it all, I don't, I'm not there. Milk. I just show up after the icing's put on the, because you get to lick the bowl. Don't give that to the dog. Give that to me. I mean, I'll, I'll even lick the beaters as long as they're not still attached. Amen. You, you got to be careful there. You know. You got any cousins? They'll mash the button on you. You gotta. Something. Some of you think about that for a minute. Amen. I, here's what I know. Some of those things are wonderful in and of themselves, the chocolate icing. And you got to have a glass of milk with the chocolate cake. But I don't know about no raw egg. Run around like Rocky. Grab a handful of flour and just shove it in. See, See, there's the good, but there's the bad. But when you put them together, it sure makes a wonderful product, doesn't it? That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, yes, see, see, it's not just about the mountaintops. I know we all want them. I know we all want the mountaintops and nobody wants the valleys. But that's not Reality. And, and, I, want, and I, I want to just give you some things that I, I wrote down uh, about this. It takes the good and bad ingredients to make the final product. In some way, that's the Christian life is, way the Christian life is. We enjoy the mountaintops, but nobody wants the valleys. But what Miss you, you and I must understand is that God's working in the valleys to mold us and shape us into the finished product that He wants. He's the potter, we're the clay. It's not the other way around. It's not the other way around. And in the end, God desires that we would be like Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about this. And I want you to think about our Savior. Jesus Christ was humble. Wouldn't you agree with that? Jesus Christ was compassionate. Wouldn't you agree with that? Jesus Christ was caring and sympathetic. Wouldn't you agree with that? But I also think this, that if we were honest with ourselves, then we would acknowledge that you don't build and develop any of those characteristics with a life only filled with mountaintops. Because if you're like me, and I believe you are, whether you want to admit it or not, the mountaintops most of the time end up in pride. But it's in the valleys where we learn brokenness and dependence on God. (laughs) It's amazing so much to say through these things. But let me give you the last thing, because it's it's not just a product that's being produced, but there's always a purpose here. Look at verse number 29. It ends in that verse, and it, and it says this. Or rather, verse number 28, excuse me, it says, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to His purpose. And then here's the purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be, listen to this, the firstborn among many brethren. Please, please understand this. I, I really believe this. I, I believe that, that we fail as children of God. I'm talking about me. We fail to realize the impact that we could have during a trial not just on our own faith, but on those around us. You, you understand that the reality is this, a faithful testimony in times of difficulty. Listen, valleys, I, I'm just telling you, they not only shape our, our character, but they shape those that watch us. And they have a, far, they, they have a, they have a profound impact, far more than any mountaintop could ever do. I, uh, I've hesitated kind of sharing the story with you but because I've shared it so much, but it just had a, such a profound impact on me. And that was a, a, brother, a brother, Tony Walker, missionary to the, the Philippines. And, and I can remember when he was there, got diagnosed with leukemia and he came back over to the states to get treatment and and we were there at berean baptist church in, in springfield missouri and and he was put in a hospital there i believe it was uh it used to be called saint john's i think it's now mercy or something in springfield and and they took him to springfield and so i was on staff there and i was just kind of by vocational i was still working a full-time job but i had a day where we were off work and so i was up working at the office and, and uh Brother Abel is my pastor and preacher. He told me, he said, hey, he said, go, go by the medical supply store and get a lambskin and take it over to Brother uh, Walker. He's in the hospital over there and gave me the room. And a lambskin is what they put underneath a patient when they've been in the bed for a long time to help with bed sores and, and stuff like that. So I got that lambskin and I went over there. And I, you know, I was still green and wet behind the ears, whatever you want to call it. And I didn't know... I really, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I just kept thinking to myself, man, if I was on the field over there and I got this and I'm, it's you know, and I'm going through chemo, you, you know, I would be miserable. I, My mom had breast cancer and I I watched her go through those things and how sick it makes you and miserable. And so I'm expecting all of that when I walk in the door and I open the door. I knock on the door and I come in and brother, Brother Walker's laying there and he's surrounded. He's got... He's got gospel music playing in the background. He's got all these preaching CDs and stuff. And he's got this big smile on his face. He goes, well, hey, brother, come on in. And I'm like, hey. I, Pastor Abel set me down after that. He goes, brother, you can't go in like that. You freaked them people out. They didn't know what to do. I was like, I, I was, thought I was going to be the one that freaked out. They, I freaked them out, I guess. I don't know. But anyways, I was just totally shocked. I mean, here was a guy. I mean, you could just see the joy of the Lord just pouring out from this guy. And it just just took me back. I was just like, what? And he went up to St. Louis and got some, they were going to do some kind of spinal things and try this different testing and stuff like this. I can't remember what all it was. But anyways, he had a nurse that was assigned to him while he was up there. And he witnessed to her and she didn't she didn't call on the Lord. But he just kept talking about the things of God to her and things like that, and he came back to Springfield after that. And about three or four days after getting back, the nurse called him that was his nurse up in St. Louis, and and she said, Brother Walker, she said, I, I don't know what you got, but I want it. And he led her to Christ right there over the phone. I know i I've told that story a bunch of times. I don't mean to bore you with the same old story. You only got so many. But this is what I thought of. I'd venture to say that the outcome would have been vastly different if he was going through the valley thinking this ain't fair. I don't deserve this. I thought you were God. You wouldn't allow this. Am I getting this? Well, Brother Walker walked with God before the valley, and when the valley hid, he just kept walking with God, and it was the Spirit that comforted him, and he knew God's using this for something. I'm gonna read a couple of more things to you, and then I'm through this morning. It's just, I wrote it down and sometimes I can say it better, but the most consistent question ever asked in a difficulty is this, why? And much of the time we're looking for specific answers and purposes, but you and I need to understand that He is God and we are not. And as someone once said, we're not called to be understanders, we're called to be believers. And you may not ever get the answer as to why or at least the answer that you were looking for and I'll tell you this, neither did Job. But you can know that one of His greatest purposes in our difficulties is to have an impact on the lost by glorifying Him throughout all our tribulations. I read to you verse number 31 just a moment ago. Look at what it says because... To me, 31 and 32 is kind of a bridge between the verses that we're looking at and the verses that we'll look at next week. But I love verse 31 because it says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Because I believe this is the point that if you're saved, the Holy Ghost of God dwells within you and you are His child. And He loves you and loves me far more than you and I can even fathom or understand. And the difficulties that we experience in life, they are not meant to push you away and for you to falsely accuse Him. Rather, they're meant to draw you closer to Him so that you depend on Him. The grace of God. Oh, it's available in difficult times. But I know this, you better be walking with God now before the difficult times come. Let's all stand this morning.